Roxo Media House. Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. It is finally time to talk Frog Ball USA. I am your host, Kyle Malloy, at Yellen K on Twitter. And joining me is my co-host, Jacob Sailors, at JD Sailors on Twitter. Jacob, the weather outside is pretty nasty. Um, what's your go-to meal if you're going to try to warm up, you know, during this freezing drizzle or when it's a, when there's a thunder sleet outside? You could say the weather outside is frightful. It might be. Uh, well, I've had pizza. Ball is so delightful. I've I've had pizza two nights in a row. Does that count? Is that your go-to? Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, my apartment had a chili vendor come by the last two nights, and I was so excited for that last night, right before the TC basketball game. I was like, all right, let me go get some chili, settle in for basketball. I'll be damned if they didn't sell out like thirty minutes after they got here. I missed out. The room, the the mail room or whatever they were posted up smelled like chili and I was just standing there sad. Must have had so. beans in it. Dude, I love beans and chili. We can beans make that the whole podcast if you want. <laughs> I was just trying to draw Martin offside. Well, you know what? You know what people say about that? Like, <laughs> well, if you put beans in it, it's not chili, it's stew. Okay, give me the damn stew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh well, joining us also, uh, we've got uh, a lot of inside scoop. From the spring practice, spring practices so far with Crazy Ray Cartwright, as well as our uh, resident archivist, the Sultan of Stat, Martin Guerrero, fellas. Um, same question: any uh, any particular meal that you uh, tend to tend to hit up when it's twenty degrees outside and and um, ice? For me, it's spaghetti because I good one. A single, I just live here in my apartment with just me and my dog Zoe. I can make a batch of spaghetti and make that last a couple of days. You got to carb up. Yeah. <laughs> it's cold outside. You could be burning through those carbs. That's true. Martin, what you making? I like beans, just not in chili. You eat chili with a side of beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, then look, look, man. I like beans. Beans are good. <laughs> it's just no reason to put them in the chili. It makes the chili better. No, it yeah. doesn't. It really it, doesn't. It no, it it a hundred percent does. It just you guys are too just, caught up in this like. Oh, I'm a true here. Texan. I eat less. Have, no, 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 no. Yes, go on. He, he got he got you muted. muted some yourself, point. come on. Yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> muted himself as soon as he started <laughs> talking about something it was like you know important. He muted himself. This is like around the world or whatever that show is. You make a bad point. Yeah, I'm deducting <laughs> three points from Martin right now. That's what we should do. Like we should have MK like just ask us questions and then we sound off and then MK awards us points or mutes us. Am I, bing, am I bing, bing. Yeah. <laughs> You're off mute. Uh, so we are we're big on right. chili, uh, but it's typically homemade. We don't have a food truck that that uh, comes to my house like like you, Jacob. Um, but another one is uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. That's a huge one for us. Okay, um, I'll, yeah. I'll pick good. up fresh sourdough uh, from the you know bakery, and man, it's nothing better than that. So, dude, another one that's good is uh, I went on a kick, especially when I was sick a couple weeks ago, uh, was broccoli cheddar soup. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've been doing a lot of soup too. Um, potato soup, broccoli cheddar. Yeah, it's been a big soup season. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, good start, fellas. Um, well, we are back on our game. We're talking ball. <laughs> Let's uh, go. And as we begin our preseason series, breaking down the 2023 roster, um, let's take a quick look back at 2022. So Frogs were 38 and 22 overall, 16 and 8 in the Big 12, was, which was just enough to cement them as regular season Big 12 champs. Uh, in the postseason, the Big 12 tournament, unfortunately, the, the performance was, you know, left wanting a bit. They only had a single win over Baylor, lost the next two. And so that was not good enough in the committee's eyes to uh, give them a regional to host. So they traveled down south uh, to our a travesty, the- by the way, the Big yeah. 12 outright champion for the regular season. Never, not never happened before. Hosting. Well, well, I was going to make this point at some point. It might as well be now. I don't hate 
you know, it sucks that they got the number two seed. It really does. But in a way, they kind of deserved it because they were total crap in non-conference. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They had some horrible losses, you know, in non-conference play on Tuesdays. I mean, it's hard for me to even remember very many, you know, Tuesday night wins looking back without looking at the game-by-game schedule. Swept UTA. Yeah, well, and then, then they got swept by DBU. They lost to Louisville. I mean, we can go Kentucky on. Who they UTSA? Yeah. They got beat. Is that who they got beat? I'm I'm not looking State. at the schedule. They lost to Abilene Christian too. Abilene Christian for like the yeah. first time ever. Yeah. I mean, so the, I mean, the thing there's is justification not- for making them a two seed, and yeah, you know, I I don't know what you attribute that to. I mean, I think we can say this right. We're gonna we're gonna talk to Kirk here soon before the season starts, and that's. One question I'd really like to ask him is, did he think there's like an emo- there was an emotional let up, or we didn't have pitching depth? But you know, I look, I think back to a lot of those games, we didn't score a lot of runs with the starting offense either. So I don't know if there was kind of an intensity or focus let up on those non-conference games, but it definitely costed us hosting a regional. And, and looking uh, back, you know, that could have been the depth yeah. thing because I mean they didn't have really a backup catcher. That they yeah. can spell Curtis, you know, they're coming off these hot weekend series. Uh, you know, you remember March was pretty hot last year. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so Curtis is bur- uh, baking in the sun, playing. You know, we don't really have anything behind Braden to give him a spell, or I mean, really around the horn. Right. And, and then the- I don't think guys were producing that are that are no longer here, like your Toplanskis. You know, they weren't really lighten the world yeah and on the mound it felt like we had a lot of control issues in those games non-conference played a lot of freshmen too like Kate did a lot of those games and he was trying to figure out d1 baseball which when we get into it a little bit it may be a similar kind of thing this year well, speaking yeah, of focus, be, man. you know, your, your focus, Jacob, they, they're going to have to focus right out the gate, you know, and this, this non-conference schedule is, uh, is pretty thick. Um, yep. so they're, they're, you know, they have two, uh, tournaments, uh, one at globe life, one down in Houston, in addition to, you know, some, some pretty good non-conference, uh, series. Yeah. Over, and over what's funny about that, I'm not as much worried about, you know, playing those elite teams to start the season as I am, you know, playing UTA in April, you know what I'm saying? Not having a, that Tuesday night letdown. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. so, if you think back to some of the Omaha teams, man, that's where they really, you know, banked wins away was right. just having pitching depth. I mean, they they were throwing guys on Tuesdays that, you know, would start in the weekend rotation for almost every t- other team in the conference. And right. they're just running through those Tuesday night games. And that's how you get the national seed and hosts and, you know, like winning the conference. That's amazing. That should not be overlooked and understated. But, you know, <laughs> And the non-conference play last year was really a letdown. So uh, after the Big 12 uh, conference in the postseason, they traveled down to Coltville, um, down at AM, and uh, unfortunately were knocked out by the Aggies and our old uh, TCU skipper, Jim Schlossnagel. And one so, of the most electric games you'll ever see. Yeah. That seventh, eighth, ninth, and eh, not so much the ninth inning, but <laughs> that was uh, one of the most fun games I've ever been to. So I think if you take, the, you know, 2022 as a whole, it was a successful first year uh, for Coach Sarlis. I, I don't think uh, many have expected us to win the Big 12. I mean, they have the talent. It's just, it's that's a tough thing to do in your in your first year. So, but if you guys look back, um, at the season, do you have any one particular memory that was your favorite from from the year? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, definitely our trip to Stillwater. And, uh, you know, we, we got our doors blown off that Friday night game. And then we come back and just, you know, gutted out two wins on Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, that that game on Sunday, that felt like a postseason game. You know, you could tell both teams, they they knew how important that game was. And, you know, winning that one, that, that was, you know, dancing, literally dancing on the dugout after the game and saying, this is our stadium, you know, their brand new stadium in Stillwater. Dude, riding out a tornado or a tornado. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a great trip, um, you know, just for the impact of the season and the fun we had on it. So that's mine. <laughs> Ray, what you got? I think individually, one of my favorite moments was Luke Boyer's home run walk-off. I think, was it a grand? No, that was David Bishop that hit a grand slam. He hit a walk-off home run against Army 
and just the joy that me, you, MK, yeah. and Jacob felt uh, as we were jumping up and down, hugging each other. Yeah, we have that video on Instagram. I looked at that the <laughs> other day. I'd kind of forgotten about that. <laughs> Martin, any good memories from last year? Yeah, Saturday in Austin. Nice. Oh, yeah. Man, that Mar was that was, uh, that was Marcelo, <laughs> wasn't it? Because yeah. I was in yep. Vegas and I put a hundred bucks down on uh, mm -hmm. on TCU to win, so yeah, and it was a great I day for all of us. I was drunk at that game. <laughs> yeah, that one was cool because I ran into Marcelo's dad early in that game, and he was just sweating it out, and he's doing his you know his prayer with the hand motion. <laughs> well, he did that. Remember, he did that in uh, Stillwater, and he showed us yeah. the forecast, and it was like thirty mile per hour. Oh, yeah, wind the wind's blowing out. Blowing out and he goes, <laughs> he's a, the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy yeah. Spirit. <laughs> I'm going to miss uh, that guy. I'm going to miss Marcelo, but I'm going to miss his dad probably more. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, Marcelo's dad, but I think one of my favorite things as a whole was just running into people, you know, and they would say, oh, you guys are the LDC, you know, we lo love you guys and, you know, appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, look how popular uh, you are. You're <laughs> not me. I'm talking about us, the... <laughs> you know, uh, but also hosting a tailgate, smoking a pork butt. You know, we're going to have some more of that. Oh, yeah. More of that stuff this year. So yes, sir. The, plan for, the plan for this episode, we're going to spend all of our time uh, tonight on the mound pitching. Um, they call it the quarterback of the defense, you know, the point guard, if you will. So we've got, you know, TZU has had an enormous wealth of talent come through this school. Um, and this year we're kind of in a unique situation where every weekend rotation starter Friday, Saturday, Sunday mm -hmm. will be different than last year. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about in terms of who's going to take that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday spot. Uh, but first, who left from last year? What some outgoing talent from 2022? Our entire weekend rotation. You've got Riley Cornelio, Austin Krobe, Marcelo Perez, and Brett Walker. They were, you know, there were some obviously changes up uh, throughout the year, but they totaled 40 of the starts from last year, which was two thirds of the of the games. Um, some additional yeah. losses on the mound. You've got Trip Banta. Augie Milbauer, Tommy Vale, Gray Thomas, Caleb Bolden, Drew Hill, Connor Oliver. I mean, it's it's a lot of those guys that came in for an inning or two or three um, after the starters were out. So can I? Add I, I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but by my count, out of the twenty pitchers from last year, we only have about six that are returning. Well, uh, Caden so, Parker started yeah, seven games say, this year. Caden Parker's not going to pitch at all this year. He's yeah uh, with Tommy John. He's uh, okay. And that was another handful of starts right there. Yeah, that's seven. That's seven starts right there. All right. So when you have that much turnover on the pitching staff, obviously that could, you know, cause you to say, "Wow, I'm I'm concerned about that." Martin, without going into details right now about individual personnel, why um, is it less important to have that much turnover on a on a team like this? Um. I think it's less important for TCU as a whole because they have turnover every year and every year they have somebody on the staff that's going to be drafted like in the top like five rounds. So this staff has been just pumping out major league talent for the last, you know, over a decade. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. I'm actually more excited to see, you know, what, what these guys can do. All right. Any names that I mentioned that you guys want to specifically talk about from outgoing class? Or transfers. Um, I mean, I think uh, Marcelo is going to be a big loss, right? He really stabilized things for this uh, TCU team last year. Whenever he was finally inserted into that uh, Saturday role there towards the end of March. Yeah, and he. I mean, he's he literally saved the season. When you think about losing a guy like Austin Crowe, you're like, okay, how are we going to fill those innings? You know, and okay, they're going to start Marcelo, and it's, okay, well, I trust him out of the bullpen, but what's he going to show on the mound? And for a good stretch of the season, he was our best starter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is a lot to replace. But last to, year. Huh? I think he was their best starter just overall last year. Oh, yeah, I mean, but he didn't start the season on the mound, right, like right. in a starting role, right? Right. <clears throat> um, But to Martin's point, you know, it's the bread and butter of this, of the recruiting, you know, ever since Kirk has been here, it's the, he's the recruiting coordinator and he's the pitching coach. And well, of course now he's the head coach, but in years past, you know, that's where we've invested a lot of our, you know, scholarship resources um, from what I understand is on the mound and it's shown. So, you know, going into this year, the talents there, the wild card is always, you know, how's it going to play out when, 
they're under the big lights, you know? So, you know, when you think about all the turnover, um, especially the guys, not necessarily the starters because they were leaving for the draft, but really the bullpen guys, do you think that that amount of turnover is going to be normal on a year to year basis? Or do you think that was more uh, because if it, w- it was after Kirk's first year and these guys got a sense that, hey, maybe I'm not in a long term plan for this team? I mean, I think it's part of the norm. I mean, you probably are going to have to replace your week, your weekend rotation after this year, too. Mm, perhaps. Yeah. For, yeah. For the most part. I mean, once you yeah. start talking about like who the Tuesday starter is going to be and things like that, you can see those roles filled by freshmen. And we'll get into, you know, what we think is going to happen as far as rotation goes. But yeah, no, that's a good point because you have transfers coming in. Um, who are, you know, and TC's done this in the past where they'll bring in a guy who's, you know, a transfer junior and it's like, all right, you're going to start first on Sundays, ball out and get drafted, you know, like Brett Walker last year and guys in the past kind of filling that same role. And yeah, Ray, like you said, we have guys kind of doing that this year too. All right. So let's jump into returning production uh, guys who we expect to have a big impact on this year's team. Uh, We'll start with our guy, Luke Savage, uh, right-hand pitcher, one of the team's kind of go-to bullpen guys from last year. Um, I think the biggest question that I have for him uh, is just his stamina. You know, mm-hmm. do you guys know um, his longest outing from last year? Like uh, let's maybe. see. No, not without, without looking it up. <laughs> no, but I'm going to look it up. Innings. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah. but I'm. Yeah, I'd say like three innings. Yeah, you're correct. Was he, he, he went three against Army, but that was about it. Everything else was about one to two. What yeah. was his longest outing when he was uh, the Tuesday guy a couple years ago? As a freshman? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. You tell we'll me. Let the, we'll let the audience sit here while we find the answer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but call I, in. I, I, I think <laughs> what, what more important than his stamina, I mean, he came in in a lot of pivotal moments last year. Um, yeah. He just didn't last that long. So what strides, Ray, has he made, do you think, to push him to be kind of like a starter for this year? So with Luke, Luke's interesting, right? Whenever you, when you look back at his 22 season, right? And every time he came in, it always felt like it took, he feels more like a starter. It takes him, it feels, you feel like a couple of batters, maybe a half an inning to get going, right? Um, I don't have the stats, but uh, he allowed a lot of inherited runs to score. He had a lot of uh, low year, but it felt like, it took him a bit to settle in to pitching, which is more a starter. Um, this year, at least in uh, spring practice and then into fall ball, he's added a couple miles per hour to his fastball. Now he's up, you know, around 95. He's hit 96 before, whereas last year it was that 92, 94 kind of range. And so I think um, you're definitely going to see him in the weekend rotation probably as your sunday starter yeah and that's well said into uh mk's question the question is you know can he maintain that through you know four or five six innings but if we do have enough you know depth in our bullpen and if we can get consistent pitching on friday and saturday then we have a fresh bullpen going into sunday and maybe you don't need luke to go seven innings you know maybe he gets you four and then you turn it over to a handful of guys and, you know, hopefully we can get into the pitching depth of the opposing team, put some runs up, you know, and then finish off those Sunday games. Yeah. You would always hope going into that Sunday game that you've worn out the other team's bullpen, right? That your bullpen is fresh. That's how you win series. Yeah. And what you said, Ray, about Luke taking a second to get going. Like when I think back to a season last year, it's like walk the leadoff hitter and then get a double play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, another guy that we expect to have a major impact, a uh, big piece of the puzzle this year, Cam Brown. Uh, he was 5-2 and two last year as a starter, 4.42 uh, ERA. He kind of struggled with some consistency uh, the first half of the year, mm-hmm. um, got hurt uh, you know, a little bit. And then the thing is, he throws high 90s, and when he's on, he is extremely hard Ooh. to hit. He seemed to find a groove towards the end of the season, including – uh, it's hard to remember this, but, you know, in in the last game against Louisiana or his last game against Louisiana, only one run through eight innings. Um, yeah, so he was I just, will he, not forget that. That's one of the most <laughs> impressive pitching performances I have ever yeah. seen out of a TCU pitcher. Yeah, and, back, yeah. Well, I mean, that's Cam Brown, right? Like I remember reading last year that or maybe it was even the year. I don't remember when I read this, but 
the note that stuck out at me is if you look at every guy on the TC roster, the most major league ready is Cam Brown, you know, and then he had some disappointing performances given, you know, what you would expect from a guy with that amount of talent. And Kirk has even said, you know, for him, it's more in the head than it is the, the physical part of the game. So, you know, if you insert him into the Friday night starting role, you're going to have to right? with the stuff that he has and trying to replace three starters like that's going to be really interesting. And we're going to know right off the bat because he's getting the ball against Vandy most likely. Right. Uh, so you know, I, I think he'll be the Saturday starter this Saturday. Year. Okay. Well, still uh, the point remains like that's still going to be prime time, you know, key role pitching, yeah. not, that's against not starting on Tuesdays against. or, huh? <laughs> I said his first game will be against Arkansas. Ex- yeah, that, exactly. Right. So I'm really curious, you know, regardless of, well, I wouldn't say regardless of performance, but I'm interested to see, you know, what happens when, you know, he allows a leadoff base hit. Does he walk the next guy or does he come back and get the next guy out? You know, like tough situations where he's pressured mentally. What did we say last year? Oh, uh, Cam Brown at bat doesn't start until it's a three ball count. count. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or like when we bring friends to the game, it's like, all right, just to warn you, Cam Brown's starting. Now he's going to be awesome, but it's going to take a while to get there. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of full counts. (laughs) I looked back at my notes from our last, uh, you know, kind of postseason pod, and I wrote what could have been, you know, in our notes. Like we talked about Cam Brown just having the season that, you know, there were there were high highs, but then there there were some mediocre times, you know, throughout as well. Um, another guy who's throwing heat, we've got Garrett Wright, uh, one of our closers. Uh, he had five saves last year. Uh, again, he, I remember him during that Okie State series because he threw that the last strikeout in the uh, in the Saturday and Sunday games. Uh, ran into his parents at one of the early uh, series out at Globe Life. Awesome people, uh, Andy and Britta, and and so yeah, Garrett Wright. We expect him to to continue to be in that closing guy for us. Is that correct? Yes, I do yep. believe he will be the closer. Um, let's have kind of a. <clears throat> When I saw him in the inner squad scrimmage, he had a couple of walks, um, but eventually wiggled his way out of the inning. I mean, just huge arm talent, runs it in there, 98, 99 miles per hour. What you want out of a closer, you know, just a flamethrower. The key with him, it'll just be keeping walks down, keeping men off mm-hmm. it. Yeah, if if you talk about, you know, question marks, um, he's probably one of the guys I have the fewest question marks about. I... I don't know. I, I feel like maybe there's some debate amongst the TC baseball fan community about, and I think this probably just goes for closers in general. Like how many fan bases are really just comfortable with the guy getting the ball in the ninth inning, no matter how, no matter what his production is, you know, cause that's when the fans are most nervous. So if something goes slightly wrong, you're like, man, is this the guy? Garrett writes the guy. I, this yeah. is one position where I feel the most confident. And as and, far as like pitching role goes. And one of my favorite things about him, you know, outside of just performance is his energy, you know, coming. Oh yeah. He, he just adds to that line that, that fraternity of closers who, uh, you know, they, they throw that heat, strike the guy out and are jumping up and down, you know, getting the, getting the crowd amped up and on the way back to Psycho the, the closers. Yeah. yeah. And you know, closers aren't going to be perfect. No pitcher is going to be perfect. You know, the other team tries real hard, especially when they're down to their last three outs. And if so, it's a close game too, which is when your closer will be in. Do you really, off the top of your head, do you remember a lot of games where you know we had a lead going to the ninth, and it's like, oh man, they got to get it right, and we lost. It's no, like, not not off top. I mean, there were some. I know there were. There had to be because that happens to every closer. But no, that was it doesn't more stick with, out. Uh, River, I felt like last year. Yeah, they brought. Yeah, and and MK to your point about the the mindset on the mound, I think. Once you do have a certain threshold of stuff, then that's where it becomes most important. What's your brain doing? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it is the most, well, usually the most pressure packed three outs to get in a game. Martin, what do you think? Yeah, I like him as a closer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stuff, Martin. No, I mean, uh, he has, I agree. No, he has, he has a, a, an elite fastball. The, the slider is coming. Um, you know, usually you only need two pitches to be a reliever, especially in college. So, uh, um, as long as one of them's an elite fastball, yeah, yeah, I, you really need like one and a half, you know, good pitches to be really good in college, you know, as a reliever. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he doesn't, if he's not solid, 
I'm sure we'll find somebody. We're we're so loaded with arms. Well, hey, you have River right behind him who has experience. Do we want to go to River Ridings? Yeah. Let's let's move yeah. on to River. Uh, we'll move on to the last you know few guys together. But uh, River has he, he pitched in 22 innings last year. He actually led the team with 10 saves. Uh, kind of surprising, but he was just in those situations a lot. Uh, but like you mentioned, Jacob kind of gave up a few as well. Um, played in the uh, you know just fun fact USA Baseball Collegiate National Team after the season. So that's kind of cool. Uh, another couple guys, Cohen Feaser. Nine appearances last year. Um, nothing special besides the fact that he didn't give up a walk, which is kind of neat. But and he then was Storm. also a freshman. Like yeah. could be, yeah. uh, you have to mention that. he's He was a freshman last year. Yeah. And he was brought in. And you didn't really see him towards the end of the year. But he's got an elite slider. His slider is plus, plus, plus. It's so good. And then uh, last guy that's coming back, Storm Hairholzer, uh, junior uh, right-handed pitcher, uh, who made a few appearances out of the bullpen last year. And you see him until April. I think I was talking with him last week, and uh, he's good friends with Tanner Witt. And he was uh, talking about the, you know, I asked him if it's a race, who's going to be back first. And uh, he thinks he will be because Tanner may be just sitting out the next year, but we can talk about that later. He may not come back at all. But so, uh, w- would you expect out of those guys that we would that that we're hoping from the most out of River this year to kind of take yeah? That extra let me. Leap? I want to start with River because boy, you talk about an interesting case. And you know, I had really high hopes for him last year. And to tell you the truth, he started out pretty well early in the season, but. You know, by midseason into season, he had kind of lost that role as closer to Garrett Wright, and deservingly so. He did not have that great of a year. He had 22 innings pitched with a 6.95 ERA, and um, yeah, he had. Let's see, I'm looking for. Oh, okay, so he had 22 strikeouts, 17 walks. That's that ratio is not going to get it done. But go back to 2021, he had 33 innings pitched and had a 1.08 ERA, 39 strikeouts, 14 walks. So tale of two different seasons. I think he's going to get a lot of situations early in the year, and you might be looking at an outcome of either he's a key contributor to the bullpen or you don't see him at all starting, you know, about halfway through the season. Like he's just kind of parked at the end of the rotation uh, as far as bullpen arms go. You know, I'm kind of on the optimistic side. Sure. There's a reason to be. He Um, has it in him. I kind of think he'll be like Luke Savage was last year. I think he can provide – a multi-inning relief parents, someone you can bring in if your starter's struggling, bring them in in the fourth, fifth, or bring them in the sixth, and he can do the seventh and, you know, close that gap, get you to that ninth inning. He's fully capable of it, but he's also capable of what he did last year. And I don't think they're going to ride it out with him, pardon the pun. You know, <laughs> they're not going to do that again this uh, this year because they no, have other they, guys that, yeah, they have that so can fill that role. Power. Martin, what do you think? He kind of reminds me of Augie Milbauer. Yeah, good comparison. Like, you know, he his freshman year, he was like so elite, and then he fell off, and then he came back and was solid. <laughs> Could be That's a- another question for Kirk is how do guys come in their freshman year when you would think it's kind of where you would expect the most growing pains and then you just expect linear improvement through their career? How do you have some guys that come in and as freshmen light it up and then you go their sophomore year and then get lit up? It could be well. Most of the time, when they get lit up, it's like in conference play, and it could be just that the book is out on these guys, or they or their role increases, higher leverage role. Yeah, that's true. Well, going back to the yeah. mental aspect, Jacob, you know, after a first season where you're really successful, you put higher expectations even on yourself. You know, yep. so are you, are you able to meet those and kind of, you know, uh, kind, kind okay. of match that with your physical ability? And then so need to ask her getting uh, some adversity. You know, how does that negatively affect? Yeah, you know, we talked about this last year, um, and I think it has to do more with guys who struggle as a freshman because you think about these guys who end up playing for a school like TCU. They probably haven't been hit since they were in, like, you know, Little League when they were, like, 10 years old. You know what I'm saying? They go through high school, and they're, like, all state, and they have a 0.00 ERA. And then they go to Stillwater and they give up, you know, six runs in three innings. And they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> that could be so, that could be why the guys that play for like Team USA, you know, the under 18, that's that could be why they're a little bit different. Like where we talked uh with yeah. Burke. Yep. So uh River, real quick, does he have a potential to um 
possibly be like a, a Tuesday night starter. Uh, he came in, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, during the Kansas series last year, he actually started one mm-hmm. of those games kind of out of nowhere. I think all of us were surprised. Yeah, but- I think that was out of necessity. I don't think anybody is anticipating him in that battle for that Tuesday role just because there's so many other guys this year competing for that. That, that yeah. kind of felt like the, oh, you know how MLB teams will use an opener. That was kind of like that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So those are the guys uh, returning. Let's talk about some transfers that are coming in. So we'll start with transfers. We'll move on to freshman talent after that. Um, The biggest name that you guys are going to get used to uh, this year, a transfer junior right-handed pitcher from the University of Kansas by the name of Ryan Vanderhey. He started 14 games at Kansas, appeared in 35 total. Um, he's pitched a lot uh, in 2022, and uh, last year he went five and six with a 6.46 ERA. So doesn't sound amazing, but I think there's uh, more potential for for his uh, for his future. Fastball in the high 90s, uh, which is great. Uh, one thing you know, you just keep hearing about him is that they they see the, they've seen the best of the best, in it, but he hasn't put it together for an entire season. Um, just you know, uh, just for fun, he actually pitched five innings last year against the Frogs. He gave up five runs on six hits, and you know we we won that game uh, eight to two. So because he's a righty, a little bit. <laughs> we knocked him around a little bit. But um, thoughts on uh, Ryan uh, this year? Yeah, I mean he could be kind of the make or break guy as far as the rotation goes. You know, like are we going to have a good rotation? Are we going to have a bad rotation? Well, tell me how Ryan Vanderhei's doing. You know, it's kind of a wild card. You look at his stats at Kansas, and he's a big strikeout guy. Um, more than more than one strikeout per inning on average. Um, but he does give up runs and you don't know how much that's attributed to what's going on in Kansas, you know, but they're really high on him. All the fall reports and everything that's been said in interviews is, you know, this is our guy and, you know, he's, he's going to be in that weekend rotation and it's kind of one of those wait and see kind of things, but the stuff is there. So Martin, Ray, I think he's going to be great. Uh, you know, he's six, six, he hits 98. He was uh, last year, even with that six something ERA, he was 10th in the conference in uh, strikeouts Mm -hmm. and only two of the top 10 are returning this year. So I honestly, I expect him to be one of the best pitchers in the conference. I love strikeout guys. As long as they're not walking people. Yeah. He was uh, his, his strikeout to walk ratio is 83 to 43. Yeah. Ray, what do you got on Ryan? Oh man, he he's going to be awesome. Um, I'm looking it up real quick. <laughs> Last year he had a start against Texas, and I wanted to read the box score off to y'all. I'm gonna miss beating Texas when they move to the SEC, you guys. Yeah, we got this year. Live in the moment, MK. Live in the moment. But um, he's gonna be your Friday night guy. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. I, I didn't know if it would be him on Friday and Cam or vice versa, but. So last year or last, yeah, last year against Kansas. Now it says he. Texas. Or yeah, against Texas. He was leading. Uh, they were up five to one and then ended up losing that game. Uh, uh, 11 to six, but uh, he went six, <laughs> six and two thirds. Um, when he got t- uh, pulled out, he had only given up one run. He had a couple men on. Uh, so those runs were attributed to him when they eventually came around and scored. Uh, had four strikeouts, uh, no two walks. <clears throat> but I'm I'm super high on Ryan, and he's a big energy guy too. Good, big big energy guy. He can run it up there, you know, like y'all were saying, ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, he's just been super impressive since he's gotten onto campus. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, another transfer coming in, a uh, guy named Hunter Hodges, junior right-handed pitcher from uh, UNC Wilmington, uh, made 51 appearances out of the bullpen last year, including seven saves. Um, I have a quote here from a guy who follows the Cape League, said he was one of the nastiest relievers he saw at the Cape this past year. Um, so thoughts on Hunter? I will defer to Martin and Ray on Hunter Hodges. He's not been on my radar yet. So I haven't seen him pitch yet. Um, in the, he didn't pitch that one spring uh, game. I or not spring game, whatever the uh, the practice was last Friday. But um, a big fastball guy. He's got a high spin rate. 
um, on his fastball, according to D1, whenever you read the scouting report on him, uh, I think he's going to be really good to get you to that, uh, you know, in that seventh, sixth, seventh inning, someone that can get you to a river. You can run center, river, and then Garrett. And that's pretty, three pretty strong options right there at the back end of your bullpen. I'm seeing he wasn't a very highly recruited guy out of high school, but, you know, development could take care of that. I mean, TCU's had guys in the past who were awesome at TCU that weren't highly recruited out of high school. So Martin, what do you got on Hunter? He got some saves while at uh, UNC Wilmington. <clears throat> I think he's going to be like a, a bridge guy, like uh, Tommy Bell or, or Luke Savage were for us last year. You know, some those are two different pitchers <laughs> for sure. For sure. But just, you know, some like a setup kind of guy. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Another, yeah. Another... I mean, I guess he's, uh, sorry, just I guess he's just one of those guys where you throw him in early, and if he gets out, so keep getting innings. If he doesn't, then <laughs> it may be not very long before we're not talking about him very much. So, and most importantly, he just gives you depth. You need depth yeah. in your bullpen. Yeah, no doubt. I love learning about these guys. You know, we see him for the first time and going, "All right, so we, oh, we know you, we know your stats. Let's see what you got." You know, on the but, mound. Yeah, but it's for super him to exciting. be for him to be pitching in the Cape Cod League, that's really impressive. Okay. Yep. Uh, next transfer, we've got a grad student. Huh, congrats on your uh, graduate degree in American Studies. Sam Stoutenborough from Cal, right-handed pitcher. He made 17 starts last year, uh, appeared in a bunch of games, has 11 wins over his career. I don't know anything else about Sam. Well, another wait-and-see guy, but what get, makes me excited about him is that he is, uh, he's been talked about being in the mix for the Tuesday role. So, you know, that tells you right there he's been showing something. Yeah, I would imagine he would start that first Tuesday game this okay. year. I kind of picture him as Brett Walker. That's Brett Walker 2.0. Just sure. a transfer comes in with a lot of experience. You can expect him to get out there and do his job. Yeah, eat up innings, uh, you know, pitch, give you solid uh, innings there in those Tuesday night games. Cool. Go long if you have, uh, you know, some poor starts during the weekend and you need someone to save the bullpen. Uh, he can mop up those innings, eat innings. He was right. drafted out of high school, top 500 player, 20, class 2018 grad. So, you, you know, he's an older guy, which, yep. you know, he's not going to be scared of college hitters. All right, yes, before we move I on to, to – go ahead, go ahead, Martin. Sorry to cut oh, you off. I, I see him filling more of that, that Chuck role. Okay. Yeah. Long man out of the bullpen. All right. Sure. Another so before depth we move guy. on to freshman talent, any other transfers that you guys have um, marked? I mean, um, pretty much it. Not for tra transfer. Yeah, not me. There's that came in, but he transferred out after getting hurt in fall ball. Yeah, too bad, uh, man. I was, I was actually thinking about him, and I'm like, man, I know we got a guy from Vanderbilt. You know, what's the word on him? And then I saw that he got hurt. And, yeah, that sucks. All right, let's move on to freshmen. We've got a I, sick class of freshman talent coming in. Yes. I'm going to list some names without going into details because obviously we don't have any stats from them. So we've right. got Chase Hoover, left-handed pitcher from Santa Barbara. Ben, a belt. I'm going to say a belt uh, from McKinney. Jax Traeger, uh, definitely the all-name team, uh, one of my favorite yeah. names. Uh, Luis Rodriguez from Long Beach. Uh, he was, uh, and then we've got Braden Sloan, left-handed pitcher from California as well. Fun fact, tossed a no-hitter as a senior. Um, we've got some other freshmen as well. We probably won't name every single one of them, but who do you guys want to talk about? This is, you know, free-for-all at this point. Let's start with Chase Hoover and Luis Rodriguez, simply because they too are in the mix for the Sunday-Tuesday starter role. Um, probably more the Tuesday role. I think Luke ties up that Sunday role, but yeah, Chase Hoover and Luis Rodriguez, Luis Rodriguez is a guy I remember we um Ray and I and yeah it was Martin you weren't there against the Rangers in the fall the scrimmage against the Rangers development team we got to see Luis Rodriguez and he impressed me it was fun to watch him pitch and we were actually taking that inning in with a with a scout so to speak like he's a he's a guy who scouts but doesn't work as a scout whatever but he said that's your guy right there man this guy this guy's got incredible talent so make sure you get him innings. And I said, yeah, I'll let coach know to throw Luis Rodriguez. So he's an exciting guy. Do you guys have some detailed uh, measurables on him handy? Um, not measurables. Uh, I know that Lewis came out the next week um, whenever they had the purple black scrimmage and threw five See. and a third perfect innings against, he, you know, against the black yeah, team, purple team, you know, inner squad game. How about that? 
Um, yeah, 6'1", 205 freshman, big dude, right-handed pitcher. Um, you know, he was all this, 90, all that. 92 with his fastball. He's got amazing command, and he's got a curveball, too, that's really, really good. Yeah, he was uh, on the USA Baseball National Team for the 12 and under, the 15 and under, and the 18 and under team. So <laughs> he's been making his way up the ranks. Dude, Another, fact, I know we're only talking about uh, pitchers today, but how crazy is it that Luis Rodriguez, Gabriel Miranda, and then uh, Carson Bowen, all the same high school in Southern California from Orange High School? That's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Kurt's, that's Kurt's uh, backyard, right? But to have three, man, that's uh, three from the same high school. We've got Keith Sarlos out there, you know, doing some, uh, oh, yeah. some, some bag man stuff for us, don't we? Yeah. Giving, giving the parents of recruits free wine. Yeah. No, I don't know. That's probably <laughs> not true. Uh, so that's not D1, true. In fact, <laughs> another fun fact too, uh, y'all know Brandy, uh, you know, she's the communications director for TC mm-hmm. Baseball. She was on the Team USA staff on that 12U team that had uh, Lewis and Carson on it, too. There you go. Um, Real quick, so D1 notes Rodriguez allowed one run in 19 innings in fall ball. That will play. Uh, Big swing and miss guy, super competitive, up-tempo approach. So, yes, please, give me all the Luis Rodriguez. Is it Lewis or Luis? Luis. What are we going with? Lewis? Okay, Uh, His fastball. Okay. So this is interesting. MK. So big swing and miss guy, but his fastball tops out at 90 to 91. And that's Uh, comes with his curveball. Yeah. And I think, and I think our scout friend specifically noted his command and his curveball. So little little Preston Morrison guy out there. Well, Preston Morrison is on like 80, dude. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, another big name that we expect to have an impact chase Hoover. Um, what do you all know about Chase and his uh, potential uh, for, I don't know, getting into that Tuesday rotation? I mean, what do we, we don't know anything about these freshmen, right? So I'm going to defer to D1 on a lot of this, but uh, the quote here is, holy cow, look at that stuff. Gives you a Tyler Alexander vibe. And Tyler Alexander pitching in the major leagues, I don't know if he still is, but he has. Um, when he's at his best, he is commanding pitches. He has four above average pitches. That's really advanced for an incoming freshman. Because normally, like, you got guys in high school that, you know, they just pump fastballs by high school hitters and get recruited. But if you come out of high school with four pitches, that is not normal. No, Chase will, uh, he's going to be really good. Really, really good. You have to see yeah, from the he left side of the a mound. Bit, uh, he was a part of that. I mean, they really, after the first inning in that Rangers instruct game um, at Globe Life, they really shut down the Rangers. I yeah. don't think they allowed a single run after that. Do you remember who started? Cam. Mm. You remember he allowed um, five runs in the yeah. first? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, hey, that game don't count. That game don't count. <laughs> <laughs> game means <No>. nothing. <laughs> Hey uh, Martin, any any freshman that you want to chat about? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested of about this guy from uh, Iowa. Let me look him up. Is it Brayton Sloan? Because I think it's Justin he... Hackett. Yeah, Justin Hackett's another freshman. Uh, met him last weekend. I kind of feel like some of these freshmen that they're bringing in will be redshirt guys. Probably, but he's six three, two fifteen. Throws like 92. He was the number one player out of uh, Iowa. Should be interesting. Probably, yeah, but- I really haven't heard anything about uh, him like pitching this year or what he's done in the fall. So, yeah, he might redshirt and maybe we see him next year. Yeah, I mean, he might. Most likely, I think you can say that about most freshmen. But, you know, if if they can give you something like Cohen Feaster last year. It's funny, Jacob. Don't you, throw him. You mentioned they have, you know, they've never been hit, you know, up to this point. Yeah. They post the fifth lowest ERA in school history at 1.02. <laughs> He's probably pissed about that 1.02. <laughs> uh, all right. So you know, uh, uh, y'all can't, we can't go on, you know, leave the freshman without mentoring good friend of the pod, Murphy Brooks. Oh, yeah. So, Ray, why don't you recap his story for anybody that doesn't know? So, 
you know, first I will go back to last year. We met Murphy and his dad, Keith. They came out to one of uh, our tailgates, the one where MK smoked that amazing pork butt. But then over the summer, he got uh, right before school started, he got really sick. And I forget what the illness was uh, called, but uh, I mean, really, he was in ICU for a week. He had after that, he had to have uh, an oxygen tank. A uh, portable oxygen tank on him. Lemire syndrome. Yeah. And then halfway through uh, fall ball, he uh, breaks. Now his I'll Google Lemire syndrome. Hold on. He breaks his non throwing hand halfway through fall ball. And so he has to, uh, he, he got his first taste of action in the spring game, gave up, uh, he had a walk, a strikeout, and then, you know, just a regular put out, um, looks really good, but I was excited to see him on the mound and he's another high energy, uh, guy on the mound, uh, that I'm looking for. I don't know how much we're going to see of him this year, but, uh, you know, big things in the years to come. Hey, Six, MK, three, you're, yeah. MK, you're basically a doctor, right? Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, okay. I, I do have a doctorate. So, so yeah. I need you. I need you to explain to all the listeners. Yeah, that's not going to um, happen. But go ahead. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Lemire syndrome is a severe illness caused by the anaerobic bacterium Suobac. Hold on, Fusobacterium necroforum, which typically occurs in healthy teenagers and young adults. Which I believe Murphy Brooks falls neatly into that category. So. MK, for the listener, explain what I just said. <laughs> uh, Murphy had a problem, and it, it couldn't be fixed with antibiotics. <laughs> I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's yeah, healthy. Yeah, we can laugh it's about safe. it now. He's, he's healthy. He's on the roster. It's, we're having fun here. <laughs> All right. Another freshman is going to be nice. You mentioned his name earlier. Is, uh, another friend of the pod, Jax Traeger. Jax. Um, him and it, you know, you may know that family. We see his dad tweeting at us a lot. We saw him a lot at uh games last year. Both him and his younger brother Nolan are both uh committed to TCU. Awesome. I imagine Jax will be a red shirt kind of guy, maybe uh, some Tuesday innings. Uh, they're out of the bullpen. I think the first, you know, the first half of the season is going to be a lot of fun because we're going to see a lot of these guys while Kirk is and 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 you know, they're trying to figure out this rotation and who's the, you know, go-to guys here and there. I think we're going to see a ton of them, you know, um, figure out a rotation. I think the funnest part is just figure out your bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where the most talk's going to be. Right. Cause if we talk about what we project and what everybody else project will be the rotation, you're looking at Vander high Brown, most likely savage, and then a battle for the Tuesday spot with a bunch of talented guys but then after that, you have Garrett Wright as the closer. And then in, everything in between is just a really interesting competition. And I think um, – I don't even know for sure if, you know, Kirk knows what he's going to do. It's probably going to be a lot of throw guys out there and figure it out early in the season. But also, I mean, you need six guys at least because you're not going yeah. to throw Garrett every day. You're not going to be able to throw River every day. No. Or, you're going to need – these other guys to step into key crucial moments. Yeah. Depth is what gets you through the season. And then when you get into, you know, postseason play regional, super regionals, you really shorten that bullpen, you know, unless you're getting into where you're having to play, you know, going through the losers bracket and regional. So we'll say from like super regionals, you're really shortening that rotation. Right. You know what I'm saying? All right. I'm going to toss in a Twitter question we got um, from, uh pardon my french here shit son sunny says at sunny scanner he <laughs> says i love tcu baseball like no other uh same here sunny uh but never played uh but i have but never played since uh since ymca t-ball how do i become a smarter <laughs> fan and recognize pitch types live etc okay I'm so try- I- i'm just trying Sorry. to look cool in front of my friends <laughs> yeah i cut you off MK and I apologize, but I think this is like the best question we've ever gotten on Twitter. So I was really excited to talk about this. So essentially he wants to know, you know, how can he sit next to his friend and say, oh yeah, good, good curveball there. Well, I would say, all right, first watch the ball out of the pitcher's hand. Cause you can notice a difference. Every guy's going to throw a fastball, right? So the fastball is 
from a, you know, a fan's eye, it's going to be fast and it's going to be straight, right? So you can usually tell what a fastball is. So if you're watching the ball out of the pitcher's hand and you see something out of the normal, you know, where it's slower, loopy, whatever you want to describe it, um, it's something other than a fastball. And this is where it's important to just kind of have an idea what a guy throws, right? Like we talked about Garrett Wright, fastball, slider, occasional changeup, whatever. Just have a general idea of what a guy throws. Then if you something different other than a fastball, you know, oh, this guy throws a slider. He throws a slider a lot. So that's a slider. You can't tell the difference between a slider and a curveball. Now, if you can't recognize the pitch out of the hand, I like to use the, um, the radar gun. Because you can look at a radar gun and see, okay, 93, 94, that's fastball. Oh, 84, but it was straight, that's his changeup. So that that's how I would tackle that scenario. And, and then to add on to that, you know, slider moves left, right, right, left, curveball, up, down. Yeah, and but it might be hard for, you know, an untrained eye to notice that break. Yeah, I mean, that's where you can use the uh, radar, you know, usually. Right. A slider will run in 89, 90 miles an hour, depending on arm talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when all else fails, bullshit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> not slider there. <clears throat> I, was, I was just going to say, Sonny, you know, I played baseball probably 10 years more than you did. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I also coach my son's team. And some of this stuff I still can't figure out because, you know, these guys are so good. They're throwing fast and and I'm out there to have some fun. But yeah, the radar um, gun's your best friend, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, big picture here. Um, mm-hmm. I looked at uh, so D1, they do a kind of uh, the top 50 Big 12 prospects for next year's draft. All right. And they list out this is all uh, all 10 teams out of the Big 12 and all position players, not just pitchers, but um, five of them. So 10 percent are TCU pitchers that were on that list. Frogs have 11 total players, but five of them are pitchers. They include number six of that list, Cam Brown, seven, Ryan Vanderhey, 23, Luke Savage. So there's your starting rotation right there. A little bit different lineup, but uh, 29, Garrett Wright, and then 47, Hunter Hodges. So Mm. all that to say, um, even D1 is expecting this to be a solid uh, starting rotation and in our closer with a couple, you know, back end guys. Um, despite the fact that it's a completely different lineup than last year. And can I, um, I just thought of this point I really wanted to make. I know we're not talking about position players per se, but this team's defense is going to be so elite that that's really going to help the pitching staff. I mean, that's actually a really good point. This is and the, I don't mean that to say like, fastest. I'm surprised you made a good point, but that is, <laughs> just <laughs> that came out wrong. Wise, no, that's a great I, point. The outfield speed is going it may be the fastest outfield TCU's ever had and that's whoever you put in left um you know you're up the middle defense Anthony Silva really known coming out of high school for his glove uh Trey yeah. Richardson a really strong defensive second uh second baseman who has range a lot of range and then uh, you got Brandon a major Taylor. league baseball player at third base yes i mean so there's going to be a lot of runs saved by this team defense. That's a great point. Um, but okay. So back to what in case port is hard out describing, <laughs> I'll let Martin tackle a response. I think get right is good. <laughs> I forgot what the question was. Yeah, it I wasn't a question. We, it, we it started was really talking just, about defense. It was just talking about <laughs> the fact that, that uh, D one, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they recognize the talent that this pitching crew has, despite the fact that we haven't seen a lot of them start. So um want to move on to some Twitter questions. We got a few more left. We have some more. We do. Okay. We've got our friend frog dog at frog dog one. Um, the guesses for total and on army of, and on army guesses for total number of beers consumed at Lupton during this upcoming season. Oh yeah. I forgot and will about there this be an one. official tracker. All um, right, so I've got some data. Do you want to hear the data before we? Yeah, go okay, for it. Right, right. It's probably going to reinforce what I'm about to say. Okay, so last year we had 60 games. Let's let's say half are at TCU, right? Just roughly, right? Yeah. Ray it's went to 49 out of out of 60. Jacob, you went to what, like mid 40s, so 44, 45. Yeah, I was. I, I missed a few Tuesdays, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, you guys were at, at three quarters of those games, right? So mm-hmm. let's say three quarters. Of, 
Uh, Martin and I probably hit up, you know, 25 or so a piece, you know, whatever. Um, if you include away games, I, I know he asked at Lupton, but let's say, let's say include all games that we went to, that's about 140, 150 games between all of us. Okay. Oh, um, my goodness. each game we down what? Two to four. Oh man, I'm no, you gotta pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> well, I'm thinking so about four beers We have to do an average because there's let's some say the, four. Let's say four is the average. There's some in the six to eight range, and there's some, you know, hey, maybe it's a dry Sunday. We want to prepare for the pod, right? There was no. some in that nine <laughs> no. range, too. No, you, you double down and go hard on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, Sunday Hawaiian fun day. Sunday. It's Hawaiian shirt Sunday. Yeah, live, laugh, love, MK. <laughs> All right, so we're looking at anywhere from four to five hundred beers over the season. Okay, okay multiply. All right, now multiply that by nine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we're looking at like close to five grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but the question, uh, the better question I thought he had was, will there be an official tracker? And so I thought, should we create a, a separate Twitter account? <laughs> no, it's just stop right now. No. So it's at Lepton Beers Beers. You know, and we At just Lupton beer tracker. And we, just, like it, 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 we just count every every tweets account one Look, two. And, yeah. We we just estimated the amount of money spent. I'm trying to really like front load and then cruise during the game because the yeah. shit gets expensive. Now, if there's any um, uh, willing participants that want to see us go for a record or something and kind of want to you know throw some bones our way, maybe and you know, finance this ordeal, I will, I'll drink till the sun comes up. For one beer a month, you can hit our Patreon episodes. <laughs> yeah, you can hear, you can hear Martin's deep cuts off the record. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, it just next makes question. me think of games like uh, Scottsdale, <laughs> where we sold the entire stadium out of beer. We in did do that. In a game. Uh, yes, that was a, that was a wild one. <laughs> that um, but the Tuesday night game where we had the entire front row, that little concrete ledge there in yeah. 107, just lined with Coors lights. Yeah, um, it's the players got a kick out of that, which I thought was pretty funny. But yeah, no, man, it's too damn expensive to break any kind of rec in stadium record. So I'll I'll tailgate and then, you know, try to use some restraint during the game. Or now, any, uh, uh, though but, this year I do want to do one game I think would be fun for us to try to tackle is the 999 challenge. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about this last year. Go ahead and explain what that is. So baseball inning is or baseball game is nine innings. The challenge is can you eat nine hot dogs and consume nine beers in those nine innings? <sighs> Well, followed by with nine times on the nine times on the toilet, puking your guts out. <laughs> Martin Martin's young enough to pull it off. I was if I was in my mid twenties, yeah, I could do this. Oh, I you know, just I do a heavy leg day before the game, really I work up I the could, appetite. I could knock it out easily. I, I'm too old for this, man. I'd get too full. I get full. I eat, remember like when you're young and you could eat like a whole large pizza after about two slices now I'm that, i i think i think actually getting full is the is the bigger limiting that's step that's here. what i the nine beers no problem now if somebody wants to tag team me i'll do i'll drink nine beers y'all drink nine hot dogs okay now we're talking <laughs> hot dogs. i'm, I'm gonna so are you drinking hot dogs no oh, you, gotta gotta drink hot dog, hot dog. you gotta dip that hot dog in the coors light to make it go down easier. <laughs> just let it slide down the throat baby <laughs> yeah so there's gonna have to you're be a big glizzy boy yeah, on those uh, <laughs> Sundays when it's a dollar froggy doggy. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it would have to be a Sunday. I call off work the next day, but we will would not be recording that evening. Oh <laughs> hell yeah, or we're will we? We're, oh, yeah, we're, we're recording a double episode that evening. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you get uh, you'll get Ray like the text after the text series. <laughs> uh, we should we should put in the the Twitter preview. Come for the baseball talk. Stay for the ridiculous banter about drinking <laughs> at the end of the podcast all right so our uh, friend of the pod amanda reed at reed 2123 asks the most anticipated matchup of the season and why now amanda we're not going into a deep dive of the um of the schedule right now but Anything off the top of your head without kind of really kind of skimming through everything that you guys are looking at? I, I I love, just as a general point, I love that TCU gets into these tournaments where they're playing these elite teams. 
even if they don't win two out of three, if they win one out of three, I, I don't want to see them get swept. But I do love watching them play these names, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. You know, they played Missouri this year, but whatever. But then they go to Shriners, you know, and they're playing Michigan. And we have a history with Michigan, right? Maybe not in this sport. But <laughs> that's pretty fun. You know, and I love that. Louisville. But as far as like. You play Louisville and Shriners too, right? Dude, I hate Louisville so much. There's something about them that just rubs me the wrong way. I think it's their stupid stadium. I can't stand their stadium. So I hold in there. Oh, you know what it is? It's their uniforms. They have the worst uniforms oh, yeah. in D1. That they could be very, they could be extremely classic. They could be extremely classic and beautiful and they could the all black with, with is black terrible. And, yeah, the, exactly. the, the rainbow red and white those yeah. are terrible. Now if they go with like all white with red letters, okay. But they tr- but then they play on that disgusting turf field. It looks like a softball league. Yeah, it's it's really bad. Um as far as like high leverage games that matter, um Texas comes to town this year. That's yeah. fun. Well, and it's in the second half of the season. And so mm-hmm. by then we're going to know where we kind of stand in terms of, um, you know, chances for to, to win the conference. And, and that's going to be an enormous, uh, you know, conference series, especially that being their last one that they visit for a while. Yeah. The fun one was going to be, we play Cal State Fullerton. They come here this year. Oh, nice. Cool. We get to watch bunts. <laughs> yeah. They really haven't been good in a while. Yeah. They're bad. Hurts, you know, they are a name though. Alma mater. Yeah. Sure, they are a name. Good member berries. All right. Um, last Twitter question we got was from Tim Riley at Tim Riley 04. He says, who is the backup shortstop? Um, Tim, congratulations. You are the backup shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughts before we d- discuss actually position players next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about position players next week. But, right. I, but I have a question. And this might bleed over. When have we ever used a backup shortstop? Um, Our shortstops play. Has, has yeah? Did Tommy ever have a day off last year? No, he's gotten bent. Remember, he got benched in two years last ago. Year. Yeah, it was two. No, years it was ago. two years ago, and that was for like what three innings? Yeah, he I mean, still played like sixty games. I mean, I mean, Gray got Gray got moved from second to the outfield for like a game or two, but he was still like playing. going back. We went from what Featherston to Merrill. Mason Hess is the last guy, the be- last backup that like actually played. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but Keaton Jones never. Okay, so it went what Featherston, Keaton Jones, Ryan Merrill, um, Tommy Sacco. Right, that covers over ten years of shortstops and oh, o- Oviedo. Oh yeah, we had a what two seasons of Oviedo. Yeah, and he never yeah. he never sat. No. Shortstops don't sit. Oh, Hunter Wolf. When well, didn't he start as a shortstop? And then he yeah, got and then it was it was Sacco that replaced him, right? Because he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, that sounds about right. That timeline fits. But I mean, when you talk about just stalwart, like Anthony Silva is going to be a stalwart shortstop, and our stalwart shortstops like you know Keaton and Sacco and Featherston and. Um, I guess Ryan Merrill's a little bit of an exception, but those guys, they just never came out of the lineup. Was more the more shortstop talk next week when yep. we uh, break down the uh, the defensive lineups and and, and uh, guys in the field. So before we head out, fellas, any last uh, thoughts? Hold on, Ryan? hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We just got a question from uh, Sarlus and Sons. No, oh, okay, let's sneak right, it ahead. in then. Um, do you think the size of your hands makes you a better pitcher? Asking for a friend tagged kirk <laughs> wait does kirk have tiny hand he has to right he has he does. that means he can get a tighter grip on the baseball yeah all that spin and then spin it a, lo- a lot better <laughs> he can tell the the details of the of each the all right yeah here's here's my um in my experience <laughs> the smaller the hand the smaller the era <laughs> you know what they say about the hand sizes right yeah. <laughs> ladies come on ladies uh thanks for the question keith <laughs> got it in just in time all right fellas uh so according to d1 again frogs are projected to finish second in the conference only behind oklahoma state and that's crap that is <laughs> you think they're haters uh but that's yeah. with an entirely that's fuel new re- for the fire baby uh, that's right <laughs> just keep climbing nobody <laughs> eyes, believed in us eyes up keep climbing <laughs> um, 
it, and that's with an entirely new rotation. So which I think that speaks to the level of respect that not only, you know, uh, coach Sarlos gets, but also just the veteran heavy lineup that we will talk about on next week's episode. Um, so frog fans, we are now in February. That means it's officially baseball month here in Fort Worth. Uh, we play in a couple weeks and we're, we're excited and we got a few more episodes coming. So we will we'll talk say, to you all yeah, soon. Um, on Friday, we're interviewing Brian Howard. Okay. Studio. That's non-disclosure. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, Brian Howard will be in studio on Friday, so look for that release. Be Howard. And studio. if you're still listening right now, then you know you were gonna be ready for that re- release. You're one of you're <laughs> one of you're one of four mothers or my wife. All right, <laughs> go frogs, fellas. Go frogs. All right, guys, go frogs. <laughs>